Hello, welcome to the Hidden Gems podcast, which is dedicated to featuring original and classic short stories. I have a confession to make. I am a writer with lots of amazingly talented writer friends, and I originally started this podcast so that I could feature short fiction from not just my own writer friends, but also from the many storytellers out there who are not getting their stories out into the world. Seriously, how many of us writers have hidden gem stories that have never stepped foot into the wild, wonderful world of eager readers? The Hidden Gems podcast was born from my own love of reading short fiction, but also because I wanted to get my own short stories as well as other writers' stories into the world. So today, it is with great pleasure that I get to introduce a new writer for what I am going to call the world premiere of a short story entitled The Subway Lady. This was written by the very talented Lorraine Murphy. I'll be talking more about Lorraine later. In the meantime, I hope you enjoy her lovely short story, The Subway Lady. The Subway Lady by Lorraine Leslie. Yesterday I was riding the subway, and seated across from me was a woman who seemed most peculiar. She was wearing a lightweight brown coat that didn't seem bold enough to brave the New York City winter. On her head was an odd little hat with a sprig of a veil that was similar to the hat my grandmother wore to church when I was a kid. When she crossed her legs, I noticed the back seams in her stockings, also reminiscent of my grandmother. I watched her watching me. She was so pale. She looked straight into my eyes, seemingly right through to the back of my head. Her eyes darted ever so slightly from side to side, as though she could read the graffiti I was leaning against. As the train rolled along, the shuffling commuters took seats, and standing subway surfers tried to maintain their balance. Her posture and gaze never varied, even when an aggressive man with the New York Times snapped open his paper in her face. It was almost like he plopped himself down right on top of her, forcing her to scoot over to accommodate him. I even glanced around the subway car, taking note of the many other seating options available to him. She didn't flinch at all, even as the man abruptly closed his paper and in a huff bolted out of the train when it arrived at his stop. I tried to figure out how old she was as I noticed her eyes starting to swell with tears. The old lady clothes she had on were throwing me off, but I guessed perhaps late teens? She wore no wedding band. At this point, the tears trickling down her cheeks developed into soundless, heaving sobs. No one seemed to notice the young woman racked with anguish, except for me and a seeing-eye dog that accompanied the blind man seated near me. The German shepherd was mildly whimpering as the two of us watched the magnitude of the young woman's grief escalate. My stop was next. The train began to screech with that metal-on-metal sound that subway trains make when pulling into a station. At that moment, the woman hauntingly raised her arms and showed me the inside of both wrists. It appeared to me that the blood of the vertical slices of an attempted suicide was just beginning to coagulate. When she finally spoke, she sounded weak and barely audible, looking directly at me, exposing her self-inflicted wounds. She simply said, 
I just killed my baby. My heart started to beat very fast. Should I say something to her? Help her in some way? Maybe I should do something. New Yorkers are not exactly known for getting involved. All I recall is I quickly collected myself before the train doors would close, forcing me to miss my stop. During the very moment I stood and turned to gather my things, the seeing-eye dog was baring teeth and barking fiercely in the direction of the woman. When I looked back to see why the dog was so agitated, I saw the woman reduce to a mist and vanish right there before my eyes. I barely made it out of the subway car. The closing doors alerted me with a ding-ding closing sound as I yanked a piece of my coat and scarf out of the way before the doors slammed shut. I stood on the subway platform, hyperventilating and sweating profusely, thinking to myself, what the hell just happened? I tried collecting my deranged thoughts while the hairs on the back of my neck relaxed and my sweat dried. I missed my connecting train as it pulled up and left while I just stood there and watched it come and go. Have I gone mad? Did I just have some supernatural ghost experience? I kept thinking, what the hell just happened? My older sister always claimed to have experiences, but I always considered her a bit of a flake with all her meaningful rocks and her room stinking of that sage she was constantly burning. Maybe I should talk to her about this. After all, this was her thing, not my thing. She'd be initially intrigued, but ultimately envious, questioning why this encounter didn't happen to her. The only one that could possibly relate to what just happened would be that seeing-eye dog, and he's not talking. Frankly, I don't even want to think about what just happened, thus choosing not to talk to my screwy sister about it after all. I have the bedroom next to hers, and regularly subjected to her chanting into the wee hours when I'm trying to get some sleep. Instead of waiting for the next train to take me the two stops, I decided to walk the ten blocks to my house. The cold winter air might snap me back to reality and do me some good. By the time I climbed the stairs of the brownstone I called home, I pretty much had convinced myself that I dozed off on the train and had one crazy, freaky dream. I opened the door, and in the foyer was the luggage of my Aunt Mary, my father's sister, in from California, here to celebrate my parents' thirtieth anniversary. Tomorrow the house would be filled with friends and relatives. The famous family kitchen percussion trio already assembled, banging pot covers, chopping vegetables, and the pounding of veal in culinary preparation for the big day. My mother and her two sisters in the kitchen, laughing and doing what they do best. These were the normal sounds of my childhood, and right now I welcomed any feelings of normal. I climbed the stairs to my bedroom and found my busy-body Aunt Mary snooping around my room under the pretense that she'd opened the wrong door looking for the bathroom. 
Apparently, she was looking for anything of interest that she could report back to my father. I thought to myself, Really, Aunt Mary? You can't locate the bathroom? We've lived in this house over twenty years, and you've visited at least fifteen times since we moved here. I laughed as I crossed the room and kissed her cheek. <laughs> Hello, Aunt Mary. You're looking well, and I still don't take drugs, nor do I have a boyfriend. She got a little flustered, hugged me, and brushed by me on the way to the bathroom. The next day was wonderful. Good food, great company, and my favorite part of these gatherings, show music in the parlor. Anyone who played an instrument or sang was welcome to jump right in. If enough beer flowed towards my grandfather, he would ultimately perform his tenor version of Old Man River from the musical Showboat. We all lived for that moment at our family gatherings, and not a dry eye was ever left in the house when he was done. A couple of neighbors stopped by, and I grabbed their coats and brought them up to my room, mainly because my sister's room reeked of sage. When I opened the door, there she was sitting on my bed with her bloodied, turned-up palms. I froze in my place, totally taken off guard, having already decided to repress our original encounter. She unleashed upon me more dialogue than I ever thought I'd want to hear from the ghost that I blew off as a bad dream. I aborted my baby, your brother. My name is Anne. Please tell your father. He needs to know for me to be able to move on. Tell him I'm so sorry, so sorry, so Then she vanished once again before my eyes. I went to the bathroom and splashed some cold water on my face and went back to the party. I was confused as to who Anne might be, and knew if anyone can add some clarity, it would be my nosy Aunt Mary. During one of the many toasts and jokes on the longevity of my parents' marriage, I saddled up next to Aunt Mary and asked the question, Was my mother the only significant woman in my father's life? I always felt those two were born engaged to be married. She seemed to relish giving her account of her little brother's life. Hushing her voice and leaning into me, she said, Well, dear, there was this girl from the neighborhood named Anne. From what I remember, they were pretty sweet on each other. The poor thing tragically took her life in the most gruesome way. That's a mortal sin, you know, and it was so scandalous. This happened before your dad left for his first year of college. He was devastated at the time. He met your mother that year on campus. Your father never mentioned Anne again. I don't even think your mother knew about her existence. Let's make Anne our little secret, shall we, dear? Then she gave me her famous Our Little Secret wink. I remembered that wink from childhood, when she'd wink and sneak me that extra cookie. I'm sure my mother did know of Anne's existence. 
My parents were that kind of couple. They talked about everything to each other. They wouldn't be successfully married this long if they didn't. I guess in her own world, Aunt Mary felt empowered to think she was privy to some big, dark family secret. After I helped with the party cleanup, I took a shower and got ready for bed. When I entered my bedroom, there sat Anne at the foot of my bed. At this point, my blood didn't freeze at the sight of her. All I saw was this sad, frightened, pathetic young woman with her hands folded in her lap. She looked like a captured small animal, frantically looking for a hole in the cage to escape. I gave her a little compassionate half-smile, sighed deeply, and said, "'Don't worry, Anne. I promise to talk to him tomorrow and tell him about the baby so you can move on.' Then came the mist, and she once again vanished. The following morning I grabbed a cup of coffee and went to join my father in the den. Sunday morning would surely find him there with his own coffee, looking through the paper, and this particular Sunday probably nursing a mild hangover. It was now time to tell him that his thirtieth anniversary he shared with my mother had a particular significance to a third party that desperately needed to be acknowledged. I stuck my head into the door and simply said, "'Daddy, can I talk to you?' He said, of course, honey, and raised one of his eyebrows, perplexed, when I stepped into the room and closed the door behind me. After that conversation with my father, I never saw Anne again. I've realized now that my sister isn't such a flake after all. I now burn sage. I hope you enjoyed The Subway Lady, which was written by Lorraine Murphy. A little background on Lorraine. She was raised in Jamaica, Queens, and has been living in Northport, Long Island for over 30 years with her family. Lorraine has completed a fictional novel and is currently working on a screenplay for that body of work. She has been attending weekly sessions at the Cold Spring Harbor Libraries Writer Group that is made up of prolific and established writers. The Subway Lady, in my opinion, is one of those rare short stories that sneaks up on you, and I found myself thinking about it long after it was done. I love the ghost story aspect, but even more, I love Lorraine's descriptions of her family life, the music, the food, the feeling that came across of the warm love in the house. Yes, even with the Nebby Nose Ant, which I'm sure we all can relate to. I'm looking forward to featuring more of Lorraine's short fiction in the future, and I would like to thank her for sharing her short story with our podcast and the rest of the world. As always, a big thank you to John Bell, who is our talented narrator. You can find John's award-winning and family-friendly podcast, Bells in the Bat Free, at thebatfree.com. If you like our podcast, we would love it if you would take the time to give us a rating and follow us for future stories. And if you are an unheralded writer, please send us your short story for a chance to get featured on our podcast. I would also greatly appreciate it if you would check out my books. I write under the name of C. Mac Lewis. And hey, even better, please request my Fallen Angels Trilogy Detective Novel from your local library. Thank you so much for listening to the Hidden Gems Podcast. Until next time, keep writing, 
keep listening and keep dreaming.